us, iHeartRadio, of course, AMFM247.com, tune in iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and of course, TalkShoot.com, and we have got a fantastic guest with us today, Dr. H joins us here in the broadcast, and uh, this is one of the this is one of the very few times that I had another guest on who couldn't say enough good things about the guests that we have on now, and when we had Ricky Rocket on, he just kept putting you over and talking about how great you were, and so I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. So I did all I could to try to hunt you down, and I'm glad we've got you today. So thanks for being on with us, my man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about your book, Sex, Lies, and STDs. Uh, This book, absolutely amazing. Um, First of all, talk to me a little bit about the writing process for this book. Well, yeah, the writing process on any book. I don't know how many of your your listeners have written a book, but, yeah, you're ready to tear your hair out because, you know, you really want to get every detail right. But once you kind of find your voice, it's it's very exciting because you realize, you know, we've got this crisis in America, and no one's really addressing it. It's falling between the cracks, and you've got literally a real-life handmaid's tale. I mean, people are getting infertile. People are getting a whole host of long-term sequelae from these STDs, and it it doesn't have to be that way, and there's a simple fix, and it's just sad that, you know, we can't do the obvious and, and take care of this problem. We have got a great guest with us today, the author of Sex, Lies, and STDs, Rob Huizinga, with us today. They call him Dr. H, and uh, he is fantastic, and uh, he has uh, joined us today here on our big program to talk about his fabulous book. Now, you mentioned that America is basically in the middle of an STD crisis. How many Americans get a new STD each year? Break those stats down. Well, for shockingly enough, every year, 25 million Americans contract a new STD. STD, and you know, and these are essentially the majority of these go undetected, and so this crisis that I'm talking about, just in the last four years, syphilis has gone up 80 percent, gonorrhea has gone up about 70 percent, and in individuals less than 25, chlamydia has gone up 25, 30 percent. So this is really, really a legitimate crisis with these steep, sustained increases. And, you know, maybe it's because of online dating. Maybe, you know, we're using less condoms. You know, the public health system is falling apart. Maybe it's because, you know, we're doing a much better job on 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 AIDS and we're doing a much better job on herpes and people are kind of saying, ah, oh, you know, the worry's off. And the last thing is I find all the time with my patients, people go, ah, oh, you know, if I have a symptom, I can just look it up online and I'll take care of myself. And that absolutely unequivocally doesn't work. We have got a great guest with us today, the author of Sex, Lies, and STDs, uh, Rob Huizinga with us today. They call him Dr. H, and uh, he is fantastic, and he is with us today here on our big program. Now, your book seems to be stealing the hearts of reading enthusiasts everywhere. Um, Talk to us a little bit about some of the elements that you draw upon to develop this book. Well, I think that, you know, it it really came about because of this, this shock that I had when I went on the Today Show with Charlie Sheen and he announced that he had HIV. And then he just said offhandedly that, in a question from Matt Lauer, that he had had sex with individuals without a condom. And that, as you can imagine, just lit up the Internet. And people said, oh, that enabling Hollywood doctor, how in the world could he allow that to happen? And so I'm like, what? You know, no one had ever criticized me in the media. I was like aghast. 
And so I was angry as well because people didn't know this simple fact. A fully treated individual with HIV, today the treatment is so powerful that you cannot, and this is, this is surprising even to hardened doctors, you cannot pass on HIV to a partner even if you don't use a condom if you're fully treated. If you're not treated or you don't know you have HIV, obviously it's very contagious. But that's that little fact that nobody knew, and then even people in the media weren't even checking that, no, if you have HIV and if you're fully treated, you no longer can pass it. And then the flip of it is if you are an individual who's having sex and you take something called PrEP and you're having high-risk sex, you're having you know, sex with people at high risk of having HIV, that also prevents the transmission of HIV. So these two new things, the full treatment of HIV as prevention and then taking a preventative anti-HIV drug, these both essentially stop the transmission of HIV. And, and the word hasn't gotten out yet. And so that's, that's why I started writing the book, and then I continued writing the book with, uh, you know, chapters on every STD because I realized in every other STD, uh, human papillomavirus, chlamydia, mycoplasm, there's similar levels of misunderstanding. And so I really wanted to get the word out to the American population what they needed to do to prevent these ubiquitous sexually transmitted diseases. We have got a fantastic guest joining us today here on the big broadcast here on Skype Audio. We are discussing uh, an incredible book. Dr. H is with us, Sex, Lies, and STDs. And uh, this book, incredibly well written. Uh, give us the profile of the typical reader who's going to love this book, my friend. Well, I think people that are going to love the book are people like myself that maybe are a little bit older from the 80s and the 90s and just kind of taking a walk back how grim and gruesome things were in terms of uh, HIV and sexually transmitted diseases back in the 80s when, gosh, you know, people worried, hey, you know, I want to have sex, but it could kill me. And and that was one thing. And then the the new changes in the last 10 years uh, and I think that the younger individuals, people less than 25, who bear and women who bear the brunt of STDs, are going to especially like this book because they're going to learn about these preventative measures. You know, the vaccines. Uh, you know, learning not to shave pubic hair within two days of having sex. These tricks that we're going to do, not having drugs and alcohol around sex, that will markedly decrease their chance of acquiring an STD. Now, Dr. H., uh, why is America in such a bad shape in terms of detecting and treating STDs? Because you mentioned earlier that the medicine and the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry have, have done amazing things to, uh, you know, to, to kind of slow the process or help the process along. But why is America in such a bad shape in terms of detecting and treating the STDs? Well, we're in, we're in horrible shape, as you say, for the following reasons. Number one, there's a lot more online dating where individuals, you know, have sex with persons where they, God forbid, they, they detect a STD later. They don't even know the name and the phone number sometimes of their partner. And so this makes checking and, and you know, contact of uh, in, infected individuals much tougher. The other reason we're in bad shape is the public health system has collapsed. You know, we're not educating people. And 
people mistakenly think, oh, if I have a symptom, I can go li- online. But, hey, <laughs> yes. big headline here, the, the way STDs present is with no symptoms. Mostly they're, they're, they're symptomless. And so, no, you can't do that. You need regular testing. And meanwhile, doctors are often out of the loop. And when people come in and say, hey, I want every, every STD checked, they often don't do that. They don't check for herpes. They don't check for mycoplasm. They don't check for trichomonas. And so even the doctors aren't doing their part. And then the doctors should also be identifying people at high risk, heterosexuals with multiple partners, men who have sex with men or uh, women less than 26, people that use drugs associated with sex. They all should be getting tested at least twice a year. But no, doctors are, are too embarrassed often to ask sex histories of their patients. And so, you know, again, that's part of the reason why we're in this mess with 25 million uh, STDs acquired every year, and, and it really shouldn't be like that. We've got a fantastic guest joining us today here on Skype Audio on iHeartRadio. Rob Huzingo is with us today. Sex, lies, and STDs. Dr. H is uh, giving a lot of his time with us today to uh, discuss this incredible book. Now, what's been some of the different reactions you've gotten on the book so far, Doctor? Well, uh, we have, in certain instances, I, I had graphic pictures, and actually right before the book came out, I changed it to, to drawings because, you know, I want this to reach young individuals. You know, a shocking study came out the other day saying up to 8% of men less than 13 years of age have had sex. So this isn't something that we kind of give to college-age kids. We have to We have to show this information to young kids. And so the reaction I'm getting is some individuals look and go, oh, some of these drawings are pretty graphic. I'm like, yeah, we have to we have to get this information out. It's urgent, and you know, enough of this kind of hands off. You know, like, oh, we're going to teach abstention. That doesn't work. Then people use, uh, you know, do other high risk activities. You know, oral sex that they don't fully understand, and we don't lower the the STD rate. We we kind of switch them around a little bit to other areas of the body. So the reaction are, hey, you know, I'm not sure my kid really needs this. And it's like, okay, you're a safe driver. Do you need seatbelts? Yes. If your kid is a great kid, you still need to teach them about sex education responsibly. And all the studies show if you vaccinate your kids early, if you give them good sex ed, you do not make them more promiscuous. So this whole kind of thing, oh, you know, I'll address it when my kid gets a little more mature. Bad idea. We have got a great guest with us today joining us here on AMFM247.com, Dr. Robert Hozinga. And uh, he is warmly regarded as Dr. H. He's best known for the surgical-free, drug-free approach to obesity he has championed over the last 17 seasons on The Biggest Loser. He has a fantastic new book, Sex, Lies, and STDs. And he joins us today here on Skype Audio to discuss this incredible, incredible book. Now, why do you think that this book will appeal to readers, Doctor? Well, I think it's going to appeal to readers because, you know, it's essential information that we all need to know. Um, We are all interested in sex, even if we're monogamous with a partner, even if we're currently not engaging in sex. You know, we all have friends who are. And you know what? Speaking of which, there was just an article in the newspaper the other day. Two individuals got HIV infected from doing vampire facials in a in a, a VIP spa in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So you can get STDs non-sexually. You can get STDs 
potentially from dirty towels from an Airbnb renter. You can get STDs potentially from trying on clothes in a department store without underwear. You can get STDs by various other, you know, uh, romantic touching. People need to read this book even if they're not currently, you know, engaged in sex with multiple partners and, and are considered at high risk. We have got a fantastic guest. He joins us today here on Skype Audio. Dr. H is with us. His book, Sex, Lies, and STDs. Now, what is the most likely presentation of these STDs? Uh, because you, you, you mentioned uh, all the various ways that you can possibly get them without having sexual contact. Yeah, you know, people think when they're going to get an STD, something's going to burn or sting or drip, and that's not true. The number one presentation of sexually transmitted diseases, whether it be human papillomavirus, even something like herpes or chlamydia or gonorrhea, is no symptoms at all. And this is, you know, you can get rashes and you can get discharges, but the number one way is no symptoms or such trivial symptoms that you blow it off and say, oh, that's just an irritation or that's a yeast infection. And so this is why knowledge is so important and this is why you need routine screening and you need to know if you're at high risk and then that determines how often you should get routine screenings even if you have no symptoms. We have got Dr. H joining us today and he has a fantastic book out there, Sex, Lies, and STDs. He joins us live here on Skype Audio here on KFRK in Denver. And um, how many of these STDs can be prevented by universal use of condoms, Dr.? Well, that's a great question because people go, well, I don't need to talk about this because I'm using condoms. And here's maybe the most shocking thing people are going to hear. Of these 25 million STDs that I said Americans are going to get in the next one year, only about 60% could be prevented with universal condom use. And people just, like, they light up and they go, gee, I thought 99% would be prevented. But (laughs) the fact of the matter is the, the way condoms are used in America... Um, you know, basically only about 80% of pregnancies are prevented. And same thing with um, STDs that are passed through secretions, only about 80% of those are going to be prevented. But many STDs, like syphilis, like herpes, like human papillomavirus, are passed skin to skin. So condoms cover part of the skin uh, involved in, uh, in sex relations, but they don't cover all the skin that's touching. Therefore, they don't prevent many of the STDs, you know, 100%. And that's why the the rate is even way less than the 80% prevention of pregnancy. We have got a fantastic, fantastic guest with us today. Very informative. Uh, Dr. H is with us today. Sex, Lies, and STDs is the latest from him. And uh, he joins us live here on the World Radio Network. Now, I assume HIV is the most severe STD. What other STDs can basically kill people? Yeah, everybody assumes, gosh, you know, if I'm going to have sex, the only thing I'm really worried about is the acquisition of HIV because that's the killer. And that used to be true. Obviously, there's been huge, huge improvements in the treatment and the um, prevention of HIV. But it it turns out that today, HIV kills about 6,000 people a year. But HPV, human papillomavirus, kills over twice that number in terms of cervical cancer, rectal cancer, and oral cancer. Right now, I have five 
patients, all men who have oral cancer secondary to HPV. And this is this is shocking, but HPV is currently the number one biggest killer STD in America. And the sad thing is HPV now can be essentially totally or at least 90% prevented with proper vaccination. And sadly, with this incredible vaccination that could save literally 10,000 American lives a year or more, only about 40% of people that would benefit from it have taken it. And this is probably one of the most shocking, saddest um, parts and, and maybe one of the big reasons I'm glad I wrote this book, because if we can get even some of these people in for the appropriate vaccination and save their lives, again, it takes 20 years often for these cancers to develop after contracting this sexually transmitted disease. But if we can get the appropriate people in for the vaccinations, um, you know, then me staying up all those nights writing this book will have been well, well worth it. <laughs> well, uh, you have put a lot of time and effort into this book. We have got a great guest with us today. Dr. H joins us, Sex, Lies, and STDs. He joins us live here in a broadcast. Now, um, you talked a little earlier about the uh, situation when Charlie Sheen went on the Today Show. Uh, take me through that whole experience, because uh, earlier when, when you were talking about it, you, you kind of felt like you got blindsided with the whole thing. Thing. Uh, g- give me your thoughts and feelings on this whole thing, because that was kind of a big part of your uh, your 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 life and everything. Well, absolutely. You know, you think that you know you're doing a good deed. You're going on the media and you're explaining you know a critical disease, a disease that literally 75 million individuals have contracted over the last several decades, and you're trying to talk about the incredible advances, and then you have, you know, a a celebrity that's coming forward to give more awareness. You know, one of the amazing things that uh, Mr. Sheen did is by his acknowledgement of that disease, it, it was one of the biggest education uh, months years in terms of individuals going online and reading about HIV and reading about the advances. So I was incredibly proud of him, and he did more with that announcement that, of course, I will ever do as a doctor my entire career in terms of, you know, helping people and saving lives. But in the face of that, you know, to have newspaper articles coming out, you know, saying I was a vile... Uh, enabling Hollywood doctor for doing what any good doctor would do, trying to give the appropriate treatment instantly and then giving uh, partners of that individual's full information how they could continue to enjoy, you know, their normal uh, lives without fear of passing the disease, you know. And to, to have a negative in something so positive shocked me and angered me and, you know, that's the night I started writing this book because I wanted that type of misinformation and, you know, um, you know, anger to be, you know, to be, you know, what am I trying to say? To be countered yes. by something positive yeah. and, and the real spirit of what doctors try to do, which is helping people, um, both their patients as well as other people that could, you know, gain insight from, you know, our interactions with, you know, more famous patients, you know, and, and, and trying to do what we can do to help. 
We have got a fantastic guest with us today. The book is Sex, Lies, and STDs. Dr. H joins us today here on Talk America Live, and uh, he's discussing this incredible book. Now, is it true that uh, pubic hair removal can increase your risk of getting an STD, doctor? Well, that's that's another wild field that people haven't been aware of. You know, when I started out in medicine, you know, people that would get surgery would get that whole surgical site shaved. And we thought, oh, that'll keep that surgery site clean and we can do our surgery and everything will be fine and the wound won't get infected. And lo and behold, people found out that when you shave the the surgery site, you actually increase infections. And so it was with that in mind that we started looking at STDs. Now that pubic hair removal is is universal in certain, you know, areas of the country, especially urban areas, and it's now kind of spreading to men and in addition to women, could the same process be at play? Could people shaving pubic hair, trying to, quote-unquote, be cleaner, uh, could that actually be working in reverse? And the answer is it's true, because when you shave, when you remove skin by any sort of method, you damage the skin transiently, you, you make it easier for viruses, for bacteria to penetrate through the skin, and therefore, in certain instances, like human papillomavirus, herpes, and certain diseases like syphilis, you increase the chance of infection by up to 400%. And this is something people don't know. And it's not that you can't shave, but if you shave, we'd like people to wait at least two or three days for the skin to fully heal before they have sex. And then the risk will, um, you know, return to kind of quote-unquote normal levels. Dr. H is with us today here on Skype Audio, live here out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, AM 1520. And uh, he joins us today talking about sex, lies, and STDs. And uh, this book, absolutely, absolutely amazing. You have put a lot of information in here. Um, how, does this, how does this book compare with some of your other books you've written in the past? Well, it's a, it's, uh, people are kind of shocked because it's a total uh, different thing. And I started out, again, I took care of a patient, and you're kind of forced slash, you know, to learn and become an expert when you're taking care of a problem. But I, my whole life have been in the sports world, have been an, an exercise uh, doctor, have been a weight loss expert. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a, a quite a, a, a diversion for me. Um, you know, I was started out my career as the physician for a national football team, the Los Angeles Raiders. And yep. so yep. my first book was the <laughs> similar dismay when I found out that it's very difficult to be an ethical doctor <laughs> and to be an NFL doctor, the doctor for yes, a professional indeed. team, because you're under huge pressure, shock as it may be, you know, to... <laughs> You know, patch that player up and under any cost, get them back on the field or the court or whatever it may be. And so my first book, uh, You're Okay, It's Just a Bruise, was kind of a chronicling of that 
uh, life experience where you know you go from a kid in a candy store. Oh my God, I'm I'm playing catch with an NFL quarterback. I'm catching punts from an NFL punter in practice. <laughs> you know, I'm going out. You know, we're drinking with uh, you know as a team the night before a game, and we do camaraderie sessions. And you're like, oh my God, this I got to pinch myself. I'm actually getting paid for this. <laughs> Two. That grim realization, like, you know, a player has a potentially life-threatening or quality of life-threatening neck injury, and you're being uh, put under pressure to not fully disclose the extent of that injury to the player because management is afraid you're going to kind of play with their head and they're not going to be as aggressive as they would be if they if they know they have this potentially severe injury. And that's when, you know, the sweat comes on your forehead and you realize, uh-huh. you know, you have to do the ethical thing, but that also means you're no longer going to be working for that professional sports team. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. Uh, Dr. H is with us. Sex, Lies, and STDs is the latest from him. He is a fantastic, fantastic guest. He has been very open with us today about uh, his his background, his career, the book, all the books that he's written. Uh, with this book, uh, what do you want readers to take away from your writing of this book? Well, I'd, number one, I think that it's a very informative but entertaining you know i mean there's so much stuff that has happened in this world you know from uh, the beginning of the hiv crisis to you know this recent you know syphilis crisis i mean syphilis a disease that's doubled over just the last four years you know uh, neonatal baby syphilis is quadrupled this is a disease that we had cured essentially in the mid-50s so just for readers to go through this this insane observations and what's gone on in our country, you know, a very well-developed, quote-unquote, modern society is really just amazing. And so it's kind of really, it's entertaining in that sense. And then the practical take-homes for all individuals and and what they can do to help other individuals in their lives, whether it's friends or kids or whatnot, I think really makes this um, worth a couple of hours it takes to get through it. And and even for me, you know, researching it, I have to say that I'm a little bit humbled by, you know, some of the key elements I was unaware of as a doctor for 25 years uh, that I learned. And I want to pass that on to doctors, certainly, but it's all stuff that the lay public can also easily acquire. And, you know, we're having a lot of patients that read this that are informing and, and helping to better educate even their doctors. And so it's a, it's a critical field, and it's been neglected because sex is the last taboo in this country. You know, um, we, can, we can show nude pictures on the Internet. We can do a lot of things. But I was just doing a show in San Antonio, yes. and I was told, Rob, you can't say pubic hair. You know, you have to say hair removal in a sensitive so area. So ridiculous. This is, this is San Antonio uh, three weeks ago. So I'm glad you have a progressive radio oh, show. Oh, yes. Th- this, is, this, is, this is an incredible taboo. Like, oh, it's a family show, so you can't mention the word pubic hair. Uh, but we're exposed to all this stuff on the Internet. Oh, radio. And it's, it's crazy. It's, it's insane what's going on in this field. And like I said, I, I'm amazed as I kind of mire through it, you know, how, how backward we really are when talking about these subjects.
We have got a fantastic guest with us today. He joins us live here on 96.3 FM in Boulder, Colorado. And, of course, uh, Dr. H is with us. Sex, Lies, and STDs is the latest from him. Uh, Can oral sex cause STDs? What about French kissing? Break that down for me, my friend. Well, yes, that's another surprise is people figure, well, I was just kissing. I just was doing romantic touching. And STDs can definitely be passed there. You know, skin-to-skin diseases, you know, whether it's chlamydia uh, or whether it's things like syphilis are very easily passed uh, through uh, romantic touching and French kissing. And then when you talk about oral sex, you know, certain things like human papillomavirus and, and herpes are very contagious and chlamydia, some of the bacterial STDs, chlamydia, mycoplasm, gonorrhea, and syphilis are also quite infectious with oral sex. So, you know, that's the problem with a lot of these uh, abstinence education programs. For instance, I think uh, Utah and maybe several other states, their sex education is teaching abstinence. And they have found that vaginal intercourse does go down somewhat, but then students just flip over to more oral sex and other types of uh, sexual relations that they don't fully understand and that also can pass STDs. And so the rate of STDs tends to stay about the, the same if you teach abstinence or sex education, but the type uh, differs, and so abstinence is not the way to go in terms of education. We have got a great guest with us today, Sex, Lies, and STDs. Dr. H is with us. Um, talk to us a, a little bit about the, the 17 seasons that you did on The Biggest Loser, because uh, that you probably learned a heck of a lot uh, that, that you didn't know, uh, being as well-educated as you are. Uh, I, I, I bet that was an interesting time. Talk to me about that. Well, that, that, a lot of things I learned. Number one is, you know, I've always been relatively thin my whole life, so I had no idea how biased America is. I mean, we've got 60%, 80%, somewhere in there are overweight in America, so I had no idea how biased and bigoted Americans are against morbidly obese individuals. And so, you know, we'd be working out contestants on the beach and then you'd hear all these cat calls, you know, fat ass and this or that. That shocked me. I had no idea what they were up against. I think the thing I'm proudest about is my involvement on Biggest Loser is that through 17 years on the show, I think we showed America that people that are morbidly obese, by that I mean people that are 100 or more pounds overweight, are not lazy. They're not bad people. They're not, they're, they're as smart as anyone else. They have genetic issues and life issues that have kind of put them in this position. And so I think that we showed America that they can go to a gym as well. And so I think we took some of the stigma off of somebody that's way overweight, you know, showing up at a gym. And so that's the part I was proud of. We also, for the first time of any TV show, did a whole bunch of medical research to try to prospectively show what different types of weight loss approaches would do. And we, for the first time, had an exercise-based weight loss program. You know, most times people go, well, if I'm going to lose weight, it's just all based on diet. And we showed that, you know, you can also lose weight by increasing your exercise and trying to just hold your calories constant. 
And so, you know, those things, I think, were the most satisfying part of being on the show. And, um, you know, just by lowering the stigma, and there's some connections here, and I wrote about it at the beginning of the book. You know, I think that I've had three life experiences. One of them is the stigma put on people with STDs, specifically HIV, that I felt when, you know, I was involved in this entire incident with Mr. Sheen and, and was criticized myself. Uh, I've never really been been shammed, so to speak, and, and with my approach to HIV, uh, I felt some of that stigma. And also going on TV, I've got, you know, we can talk more about herpes, you know, I felt stigma yep. there as well, even though I don't physically have it, but just talking about it, you feel the stigma. I felt that same type of stigma with these morbidly obese individuals being looked at and called, you know, vile names. And then the, the third time I felt that was um, I was uh, in a car and behind uh, Marcus Allen when he was driving uh, a car that he had won as the MVP of the Super Bowl, and he had changed out the license plates. And seeing him get pulled over and spread-eagled on the ground uh, when the cops didn't recognize him, just profiling him and assuming yep. he was a bad yep. guy because he was driving a Ferrari and he was black and seeing what the police really did to individuals of color that's the first time as a you know white white guy I realized wow the blacks are incredibly yep. disadvantaged in our legal system and so you know there are some similarities between what I've seen in terms of racial issues fat shamming as well as some of the stigmas that are in this field of STD and that that's kind of a parallel that I've drawn in three of some of the more interesting things I've done in my career. We have got Dr. H with us today. Sex, Lies, and STDs is the latest from him. He is uh, just amazing. Uh, you're, you're, you're quite the speaker, my friend. I, I will have to uh, give you a lot of credit for that. And uh, a great author. That. He's put a lot of great books out there. Now, um, you were a valedictorian and all-county co- uh, all and football wrestling track. What, what motivated you to get into medicine? Well, having a, a, well, a sports that's a, background like that. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was always kind of, you know, in sports in high school and college. You know, I was just totally motivated, you know, in sports as a as a wrestler. Although, oddly enough, my career in wrestling, losing weight, you know, had a huge, you know, bearing on my understanding of weight loss. And you know, contestants maybe trying to cheat the system, like we used to try to cheat the system in losing weight for wrestling matches. <laughs> But, yeah, it's funny. My dad was a nuclear physicist, and I was always going to go into yes, math I- and physics. But at the last last minute, you know, I just thought, gosh, maybe I should combine a little bit of my science background with a field that lets me maybe, you know, stay with a little bit of sports and try to, you know, get in medicine and try to somehow influence the world of sports and fitness. And so that was kind of the connection between, you know, where my focus was in high school and college and why I decided, you know, maybe sitting in a lab with a cyclotron wasn't really my thing and and this would allow me to kind of stay a little bit more in touch with people and uh, my passion of uh, exercise and sports. That's fantastic. We have got Dr. H with us today. He joins us live here in our program. Uh, we're live today on 90.3 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 90.3 FM. And uh, Dr. H is with us today talking about his incredible book. Now, you mentioned uh, herpes earlier, and there's a lot of stigma around that. Uh, why is that? Delve into that a little bit more with us. 
Well, that's that's another phenomenal story. Uh, basically, back in the 1970s, herpes was no big deal. You know, there's a couple of papers that we pulled out from prominent doctors, and they would talk about STDs and the stigma of that and the psychological ramifications. And there was essentially something said about all the STDs from chlamydia to syphilis to gonorrhea and nothing mentioned about herpes. Then all of a sudden in the mid-'80s, a drug came out that could treat herpes, but nobody really cared much about it. And so all of a sudden we think, you know, there was this whole big ad campaign trying to differentiate between the good herpes, oral or cold sores, and the bad herpes, genital herpes. And from that, all of a sudden, you know, and then there was a big Time magazine article we talk about in the book that came out, you know, saying how herpes was a scarlet H and it was this horrible disease that, you know, affected your chance to get pregnant, which wasn't fully true and was a lifelong non-treatable disease. And all of a sudden, that became the worst STD to get, when in fact of all the STDs, herpes probably has the least intense symptoms and the least long-term ramifications of any of the STDs. And so, you know, I said that I was feeling the stigma because I took a little bit of a stance against uh, the show The Bachelor. Now, this is kind of America's number one dating show, and they have a policy, oh God, however, where they... Oh, my huge. <laughs> yeah, where they, they basically kick off any potential contestant that has herpes. Um, and I just think that that's, that's furthering the stigma, not something a national TV show should do that's, that's, that's pushing themselves as a dating show. And it's something that should be talked about. And there are preventative measures that can be taken so that if, if you care if you have herpes, you can prevent it from passing on. And it just seems so short-sighted that they just offhand uh, kick off people with genital herpes type 2. And the funny thing is, the last kicker is the biggest epidemic right now in America is the passage of herpes type 1 genitally. So they're not even doing a proper screen and ejection process if their goal was to eliminate herpes. So they have uh, a bad policy in terms of the control of herpes, and they have a bad policy in terms of, you know, not realizing that this is something that we all need to and can live with uh, in peace without further stigmatizing it. And and just in talking about that, it just you realize that there really is stigma because nobody... Oh, here's an interesting fact. <laughs> Every different STD, there's a celebrity that has come out with it. There's celebrities that say, I wow. have HPV cervical cancer. There's celebrities that say, I have HPV anal cancer. There's celebrities that say, I have HIV. There's celebrities for, there's never been a celebrity that's come out and said, I have herpes and, you know, I, I'm living with it. Never. It's so stigmatized. Not one person has come out and said, hey, I've got herpes. It's no big deal. In fact, when I have to do pre-movie workups for my celebrities, you know, they have to sign all these statements saying they don't have oral herpes. There's all kinds of people that lie, that, 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 that try to circumvent the whole system. And, you know, it's just insane what they do for kissing scenes in movies. And the whole system needs to be changed. And it's all based on lack of knowledge and misinformation. Well, if you could, if you could change the system, uh, doctor, how, how how would you do that? What would be some of your steps that you would do? 
Well, the first thing that I would do is is make people recognize that 90% of herpes, 80% of herpes is symptomless and causes no problems whatsoever. And that's both good because 80% have no problems. And it's also bad because the 80% still can pass on the herpes. And that's part of the reason why herpes has increased to a point where, you know, 55 million Americans have it. Uh, But once we realize that herpes is no big deal, the symptoms are typically very transient and can be controlled easily with an anti-herpes medicine. Once we realize it's no big deal, it doesn't cause infertility, it doesn't cause death, it doesn't cause brain damage, when we realize that, we can live in peace with it. It's not a big deal. In Europe, herpes is not a big deal. They're not fanatical and stigmatized about it, so they don't, they don't talk about it and have the same negativity we do in America. Once we recognize that, then we can kind of move forward, and if people still are, you know, don't want to get it, there are preventative things you can take before sex that would lower your chance of getting it, and there is also uh, condoms, and with those things, we can markedly, markedly reduce any possible risk of transmission. But I think we have to center it around herpes is no big deal, and it's the most overrated, uh, under, um, under, it's, it's an overrated disease in terms of the type of symptoms you get, and really it doesn't cause much of anything deleterious. And so I think that that's the big message to be put out there. We have got a fantastic guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Sex, Lies, and STDs. Dr. H is with us. And uh, you have written uh, many a book, and you, you, get, uh, uh, you educate folks along the way. Um, what, what's some of the next books that you're thinking about writing or, or that have caught your interest that you're wanting to, to put out there? Well, I think the my my the future. You know, I I get passionate about things, as you could probably tell. I think the next big wave in medicine that I'd like to fully understand and then pass my understanding along is the whole field of anti aging. You know, uh, once we hit about forty five, you know, some of the wheels start wobbling a little bit on our our bodies and. That's a huge, huge area where we're gaining a massive amount of insight uh, over the last uh, couple of uh, years and decade. So I think that's the next big area that we all need to address. You know, we all talk about risk factors. You know, how high is your cholesterol? How, how high is your blood pressure? How high is your sugar? You know, because these all are risks for you getting a disease later in life. But the number one risk for getting a disease is what's your age. And so we need to look at specific therapies to slow the aging process. I call it the high school phenomenon. You know, when you go to your high school (laughs) reunion, (laughs) you see some people, you know, after like a 20-year high school reunion, they look like your parents, and you're like, what the hell happened to them? And then you see people that look way better than you, and you're you're like, hey, what are you doing? I want want, want to see what they're taking. Right. So that's it. We all age at different rates, and that's what we're looking into. Why do some people age so much more rapidly than others? And we know people... People that exercise age slower. We know people that do drugs age faster. Those are the simple things. And so we're getting into that, and that's that's the next thing that uh, I'm really excited about and that I'm going to go into, I think. Well, one of the things, we have got Dr. H with us today, Sex, Lies, and STDs. Um, what, one of the things that we do every year uh, is we go 
out to the we go out to Las Vegas to the Adult Video News Awards and Expo. And this last year, I, when we were doing interviews with the different porn stars, we were talking to uh-huh. various folks that are that do the medical part of the adult industry. Why is it that the adult industry seems to have a better grip on? Uh, checking for STDs and making sure the performers are up to up to snuff as far as their health. What, why did they catch on to that quicker than the quote-unquote regular medical world? Great, great question. You know, in the, in the porn industry, there's obviously uh, less stigma. People are willing to talk about it. They're more open about their sexual history, and they don't have this huge stigma and, and baggage about it. And so they check, they, they look at their own risk factors, and they check very frequently for sexually transmitted diseases, and that's an incredibly effective deterrent for sexually transmitted disease, and therefore they really can get at the core of the problem. And they also are very knowledgeable about prevention. And with those two things, routine testing and appropriate prevention, they can markedly, markedly reduce their risk of transmission. And so you're right, it's a paradox. You know, you have a group that on paper you would think would be at the highest risk, you know, comes in with very, very low rates of sexually transmitted diseases. And, you know, there have been a couple of highly publicized cases of HIV, but there's highly publicized cases of HIV in every walk of life. And I think the porn industry is to be complemented for, you know, a, a very extensive look. You know, we can always make things better. But specifically in the HIV world, they've been exemplary in terms of their preventative approach. We have got Dr. H with us today. He joins us live here on Talk America Live. Sex, Lies, and STDs is the latest from him. Now, uh, one one topic that I want to get into with you before we let you go. Uh, you mentioned uh, you're going to be working on an anti-aging uh, book. What do you make of the the big thing that is happening? Uh, it's happening in sports, Joe Rogan talks about it a lot. This testosterone replacement therapy. Well, what do you make of all this? Well, testosterone replacement therapy, basically, if you go back in my book, uh, You're Okay, It's Just a Bruise, this is something that I was exposed to at a very, very early part of my medical career because we had a player, Lyle Alzado, who was an MVP defensive player who had multiple doctors from East Germany and other parts of the world where they were supplementing him with basically every muscle-enhancing substance. And so, you know, testosterone was one of those. And so I learned very early on the pros and the cons. You know, I think that clearly in men who have deficient Testosterone. Testosterone is a is a very helpful uh, compound to be added. Unfortunately, many of the quote unquote anti aging clinics add testosterone to individuals who have normal testosterone or near normal testosterone, and I think <clears throat> that's doing a disservice because you know excessive testosterone does have side effects, raising your red blood count, making you more susceptible to clots. And there's a lot of debate about whether it increases risk of prostate cancer and and heart attacks. And so when it's used, you have to screen very carefully for that and do special cardiac tests if you're going to go with that. So I think there's a difference between 
supplementing with normal levels of testosterone and supplementing with levels that are supranormal, which put people at risk, and there's, there's a little bit of difference there. Um, I think, fortunately, few people need replacement, but when it's required, it's very helpful. But just on standard, to give everybody that's aging hormonal therapy, I think is probably ill-advised, but, you know, research is continuing. I think the key anti-aging approaches, you know, are not hormonal. They're based on other oxidation reduction uh, mechanisms and, um, you know, testosterone is probably a little bit oversold as is growth hormone, although they have their role. Well, thank you for that. That that is an honest uh, honest look at that. You you didn't uh, you, you didn't scare everybody with steroids, and you didn't say, "Oh, yeah, this is the greatest thing in the world." So that was fantastic. Thank you for answering that honestly, Doctor H. That was fantastic. Now, uh, before we let you go, uh, the book is "Sex Lies and STDs." It's available on Amazon. It's also available in Kindle, and uh, certain versions have a uh, bonus fifty page STD. Uh, capsule summary section. Um, before we let you go, how, how do people get a hold of you online, social media, how, how, if, if they want to buy the book, all these things? Well, we'd love them to buy the book and, and comment on it, but maybe they could go to my Instagram site, you know, where we do a little bit more interaction with the individuals, uh, Dr. Heisinger. Uh, on Instagram and, you know, leave their comments of the book there. And, you know, we've got a lot of different uh, medical inserts on that site that people may be interested in, including talking about that recent case of the, the two HIV uh, contractions at the VIP medical spa doing vampire facials. So if people are interested in any of that, you know, that's a good way to interact and, and put comments there, which we try to respond to uh, when able. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks, my friend. And okay, uh, thanks keep for me updated me. on everything and have yourself a wonderful day. Great. Same to you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Thank it. You, Doctor. Bye-bye. There he goes, Dr. H. And uh, we are going to take... A timeout. And uh, we will see you next week here on Talk America Live. 